from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A Thursday show for you, an opening day show. Uh, really a great day. I mean, we don't have to talk mixed magic anymore. We don't have to talk about, you know, the, the dead of winter is gone. Uh, baseball opening day is here. Uh, we'll have JVT on a little bit. We'll talk still some NBA. We'll do uh, what is a fascinating Eastern Conference race these last three or four days as the Nets beat the Knicks last night in what was a tough beat if you had the Knicks. So we'll get to that game in a minute. We'll get to the NBA with JVT. Uh, but we'll start here. With the Mets, that is as it is opening day, at least for the Mets, Yankees in action tomorrow. Uh, looks like it'll be Cole versus Eovaldi, rematch of the wild card game. Except this is in Yankee Stadium. Figure Yankees will be you know minus one sixty, minus one seventy favorites with Cole on the mound. Yankees will be a good size favorite tomorrow. Uh, but the Mets minus one fifteen, total of nine as McGill gets the ball against the Nationals. Corbin going for Washington. Uh, I like the Mets here. We'll just get right into it. I, I like Washington. I like the the Mets here to to beat up on Corbin. Corbin's numbers uh, are just awful. Now he was a really good pitcher. The, you know, Washington gave him a lot of money, and they wouldn't have won the World Series without him a couple years ago. You know, he was heroic against the Dodgers, uh, huge against Houston in the World Series. Uh, he, you know, he's coming out of the bullpen. He was you know pitching on short rest. All the Nationals pitchers were. It kind of almost in a way sold their soul for that title with Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. And really, Hudson out of the bullpen, they, they won it basically with those four guys, but they kind of ran you know, Corbin or Strasburg into the ground. If you look at Corbin's numbers, not just the win-loss record and the ERA, which uh, I know it's not cool even to talk about ERA anymore with all the advanced analytics, but 
pick any number you want. ERA was almost six last year. Win-loss record was awful. And his underlying metrics, when you look at the spin rate of the curveball, you know, spin rate of the fastball, fastball velocity, all all of the things that are uh, sort of independent to his performance and, you know, just the way he's throwing the baseball, it's all bottom percentile of the league. He's really, uh, you, you can see why he's gotten hammered uh, the last couple of years, really. You know, this, the shortened season in 20 and 21 have been ugly for Corbin. Uh, I would expect the Mets to do a number on him. You can get the Mets minus 115 at Bet Rivers. Total is nine. Uh, and a couple other ones that are interesting here. Mets minus 157 to score first. I like that. I think, you know, top of the lineup, like I mentioned, if I'm fading Corbin here, and, you know, hopefully we get this game in because I'm really excited, you know, for baseball to start to watch the Mets. Uh, see this kind of new look team. If you're going to bet against Corbin, you figure, you know what? Mets are the road team. They're batting first, top of the lineup uh, with a bunch of ways to score. Now, who knows if Nimmo's going to play, but you, know, you still get Marte, Lindor, Alonzo. First cracks at Corbin here. You, you figure there's a good chance they probably you know, score a run early on here. So Mets minus 157 to score first. There's also props here at Bet Rivers where you can bet, will there be a score by either team in the first inning? Uh, the Bet Rivers did a good job here. There's over 100 props here. You can bet, you know, over under RBIs for a certain player, over under, you know, run scored for a certain player. Uh, team total, Mets over four and a half is another one. So if you're new to baseball betting, Bet Rivers, uh, take a look at the menu because there's just a ton to go over here and you can really isolate your handicap. You know, like I don't like Corbin. I don't like the matchup of him versus the Mets. So you can really isolate it and say, you know what? I think the Mets are going to score more than four and a half runs. I can bet the Mets over team total. And like I said, you can bet them over, you know, to score first. You can bet them to score early, uh, a run in the first inning. And you can just do the traditional way, which I'm going to probably do all of these and take the Mets to win the game because they're throwing McGill, which look, I, I know if you're a Met fan, this was not the idea here. You know, you signed Scherzer, you have DeGrom healthy, you think. You know, a week ago, this time a week ago, you thought DeGrom was healthy and you got Scherzer. Boom, that's our one-two punch. Can't wait for opening day and the second day of the season. DeGrom, Scherzer, let's go. Then you get here, it's opening day, and Tyler McGill's on the mound. That's not the idea. That's not, That was not the plan. I understand that. But McGill threw the ball pretty well. If you look at some of his underlying metrics last year, you know, top, you know, he's 70th percentile strike, 70th percentile walk, uh, walks. So good strikeout guy, good walk guy. That means the stuff is there. The command is pretty good. You know, 89 innings, 99 strikeouts. He had a couple rough ones at the end of his rookie year last year uh, that kind of ballooned his ERA to get it over four, but he threw the ball really well for a good majority of, of his starts. So look, you never know early in the year, you know, who's built up, who's sharp, who's not. So don't go too crazy with these. Uh, even if your handicaps, you know, on track, some guys, you know, are slow starters. Some guys, uh, you know, come out of the gate, you know, hitting it in stride. But uh, you, you never quite know. So it's always dangerous, especially you know the weather's bad. Uh, these guys are used to playing in Arizona and Florida the last you know few weeks in spring training. You're going to come up here and it's going to be 30, 40 degrees tonight. Not always easy to hit in that weather. Not always easy to pitch in that weather. Grip the curveball, that kind of thing. So. Wouldn't go too crazy, but I do like the Mets here. Minus the 115. Mets minus 157 to score first. Mets over four and a half team total. With all that being said, watch them get rained out tonight and all this will get uh all this will be for now. Hopefully not. I think they move the game back from 405 to 705 Eastern because the weather's supposed to be a little better tonight. So hopefully they do get it in and we can get some baseball in as the Yankees, like I mentioned, are off until tomorrow where they play the Red Sox. So Baseball is back. Excited to have it back. We'll root for the Mets tonight and, and lay the minus 115 with the Mets. 
Uh, we'll get to JVT in a minute. Last night, the NBA, the Nets were laying. That game closed at seven, and I think we had won like eight or nine in a row here in the NBA. And I told you to bet the Knicks plus five. It actually closed plus seven. And they're up 18 late in the third. I think it's 80 to 62. And uh, the Nets finish on like a 48-16 run, just blow the doors off the Knicks and win the game, cover. And now the Nets are in the driver's seat uh, for the seven. It was going to get dicey last night if they lost that one. You're probably looking at a 9-10. Now they're in good shape here. Uh, they do play the Cavs tomorrow night, which is really a huge game to determine the seven. The winner of that is probably going to be in the seven. I would think the Nets win. I would think that would drop the Cavs all the way down to like the nine or the 10, which, boy, the Cavs were you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, pretty much this entire year until this last week or so, you know, they've had some injuries. Now they're going to jump all the way, not into the, just the plane, but the bottom end of the plane where uh, they're, they're basically going to be dead. They're not going to win two games to get in. They'll probably lose the first playing game. Maybe they win one of them, but yeah, they still had a good year, but that's why I, I never understood that trade for Levert. Like, why are you going all in? This is not your year to like win a title or, or, or go for it. It really made no sense to me. So uh, Nets do win. They get the Cavs and they get the layup Sunday against the Pacers. It looks like right now it'll probably be Nets 7, Hawks 8, and then some combination of um, Hornets and Cavs 9-10, which would probably get the Nets in. Now, the Hawks is not a layup. The Hawks just beat you know the Nets Saturday night where Durant had 55 and the Nets still lost. The Nets showed you last night they have plenty of flaws. They're small. They can't defend. They got plenty of issues. They could certainly lose to the Hawks. I think it, you know it's dangerous to assume they win that game. But they'll probably get a split. If they get the seven spot, which I'm assuming they will, they'll get a split. They'll either beat the Hawks or beat, you know, the winner of the Cavs and the Hornets and advance to the main draw. Now that leaves the question, hey, if you're these teams at the top, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, how do you maneuver it? You know, do you want to avoid the Raptors, you know, with the vaccine whole situation? Or do you want to avoid the Nets uh, with the with you know, Durant looming, he still is Durant, and we saw last night, and he basically had a triple-double just in the fourth quarter alone. He's still just a brilliant, brilliant player, but uh, the rest of that team's really small, and Kyrie, you know, he's uh, shot 9-26 last night. We've seen him with normal rep, having to play, you know, a normal schedule, not be the same player, so fascinating last three or four days of the season, all the moving parts, you know, ideally, you'd like to play the Bulls and avoid the Nets if you're all these teams, but it doesn't quite work that way. There's just there's too many moving parts, so you can't really manipulate it as much as you want as uh, Philly does play in Toronto tonight. So we got the Bucks and the Celtics also play tonight. You figure winner of that probably in good shape to at least get the two, if not the three. So still a lot of moving parts here. We'll see if these teams try to tank into or out of a certain matchup uh, the last you know three or four days here, and then we'll get some playing games. I think Nets playing game would be on Tuesday if they're the seventh seed. So playing games start on Tuesday. It'll be a lot of fun. Nets will be one of them uh, as they are off tonight. They play Friday against the Cavs, Sunday against the Pacers. And then I think either Tuesday or Wednesday, they will be in one of those playing games. So a lot of fun. You think they'll be in the main draw? You would think. Uh, I still, Again, I'm very you know dubious of their playoff chances. I don't know that they just – I think they needed Simmons. I think they needed his length, his defense, his ability to guard wings. And people can kind of mock him, mock him and, and laugh at him. I totally understand it. And look, it's impossible to root for Simmons. He's completely unlikable. But uh, he's still a hell of a defensive player. And that's a defensive presence they are sorely missing. That size and length they're sorely missing because, you know, Kyrie Irving, Mills, uh, Dragic, they are just a tiny, tiny basketball team. So 
not sure how far the Nets are going here. If they draw Milwaukee round one, that's a brutal matchup. I don't think they'll get past them. If they draw somebody else, the Sixers, the Celtics, who knows? You could certainly, uh, I think we, I, at the very least, I think that's a six, seven game series, regardless of who they play, Nets or Celtics. Yeah, I don't see either of those teams beating either one of the other one in five. Like if it's Nets, Celtics, that's going six or seven. You know, lean Celtics, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Nets win. Same thing. If it's Nets Sixers, it's probably going six or seven. I uh, wouldn't be shocked really if either team wins. So Nets still plus 800 here at Bet River Sportsbook. They're going to be in the playing game. And then we'll go from there. I still like Milwaukee to come out of the East. Uh, and again, we got the Mets tonight. Mets minus 115. Mets team total over four and a half. And the Mets to score first minus 157 at Bet River Sportsbook. And again, Bet Rivers did a really good job here. Uh, giving you a whole bunch of menus, a whole bunch of options to dive into here uh, for the MLB season. Another prop they are offering over 17 and a half homers to be hit on opening day, plus 100 if you want to just sit back today and root for some home runs. That's one that's interesting. And then, boy, Pirates and Cardinals to combine for over a half a home run. So basically Pirates and Cardinals to hit a home run in the first inning, plus 195. Okay. And that's not bad. And then another one, uh, Otani and Freed to combine for over 14 and a half strikeouts today. That's plus 450. That's not bad either. Now you got to worry these guys aren't built up enough. Who knows how many innings some of these pitchers are going to go. And you got to take that into account uh, in your handicap here with, you know, it was a short and spring training. These guys probably not going to see seven, eight innings out of these starting pitchers. So if you like a game, maybe you're better off, you know, going first five innings because, you know, if you get four or five innings out of a starter, then it goes into a bullpen. And it becomes more of a crapshoot. Uh, as opposed to you know just handicapping the starting pitchers, which can be which can be a little more straightforward. So, go to betrivers.com, download the BetRivers app, check out all of their options, which they have plenty of. Coming up next, JVT, who's coming out of the East? What's his upset pick for round one? That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. No more football, no problem. BetRivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, pro basketball, and more. Don't miss out on BetRivers' many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same-game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at BetRivers. Get started with life after football with the BetRivers app. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. A final four days of the NBA season should be a chaotic final four days, a crazy race in the Eastern Conference, really from top to bottom. And to break that race down, there is nobody better than this man. He is senior NBA, what, analyst, insider, senior NBA, everything. Jonathan Von Tobel, what's up, JVT? Yeah, I think the official title given to me by Bill Lady is senior NBA analyst. So we'll go with that. Although I always say I'm our only NBA analyst. So senior is misleading. Well, it's a, it's a crazy race. It's really kind of fascinating, really from top to bottom. It looks like Miami's going to be the one. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll start with the Nets, who, you know, crazy win last night, crazy cover. I I'd hit like eight or nine in a row on this show with the NBA, and I had the Knicks plus the points last night. They're up 18, late third. They don't cover. Uh, Durant just goes crazy. I don't know. I kind of vacillate with the Nets between, look, you don't want to play them round one, KD, they're scary, all that, and the idea that, hey, are we sure this team is somebody you should be ducking? I mean, they're small. They don't defend. Uh, where are you at here with the Nets? 
I, so it's funny, I, you know the meme um, of the guy walking down the street with the girl on his arm and he's looking back over his shoulder at the other chick walking away? Um, I do. If, for, so for a while, that was me with the, the Nets. Uh, the, the girl on my arm was the Milwaukee Bucks, but you know the Nets would walk by every once in a while and they'd be like, ooh, you know, that, that looks pretty good. But then I kind of realized when I get home and I settle in with the Milwaukee Bucks that, you know, I'm just I'm more safe and secure because, you know, like with Brooklyn, the thing that bothers me is like just go back to that first half where, where they were abysmal defensively. And that's going to hold them back. Like I, I put it this way the other day when I was on with Gil in primetime action, like there's certainly a, a possibility in which Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving go nuclear, score 40 points and, and carry your team and, and are incredible. But. You're going to need 12 to 13 of those atom bombs to go off here to make it through the Eastern Conference because your defense has been so poor. And then you look at the just last weekend, Will, they're playing the Atlanta Hawks. Kevin Durant, if I told you drop 55 points, you'd think they win more of those games and they lose that game to Atlanta. So I just, they're a very flawed team defensively. When their best offensive lineup, KD, Kyrie, Andre Drummond, Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, an offensive rating of over 120, I think it's like 124 now, but their net rating is just about two or just under it. It's just not going to get you that far when it comes to winning playoff series. So could they win a series or two? Sure. But when they get to a Milwaukee Bucks type opponent, I just don't see them outlasting them. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with them, where I'd be very surprised if they beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series. I just think Milwaukee's bigger. Milwaukee, like he said, they're more trustworthy, more well-rounded. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, would you be shocked if they beat the Sixers? Would you be shocked if they beat the Celtics? I wouldn't. Milwaukee's kind of the one team where I was like, all right, this is where it, it could be tough. Now, maybe somebody knocks off Milwaukee for them, but that, that's kind of where I'm at, where Milwaukee would be tough to beat. Anyone else, I could kind of see them beating. I, I think I would be – I think I'm now in the realm of I'd be surprised if they won a series against Boston. Yeah, I think with – like, they have no real defensive answer for Jason Tatum, and if Tatum's going to be the guy who he's been now for about a couple of months – you know, they, they, you know, you go back to that two, three weeks ago when they played, uh, when KD and Kyrie were together for the first time in a while, right? And they played in Boston, and, and um, uh, Tatum in that game had over 50 points. He, he went insane uh, because they just didn't really have a defensive answer for him. And I think that's ultimately how that series would go on top of not really being able to contain a Jalen Brown or any of the other supporting cast that they have. And I will say this, you know, we're talking about this. It's no sure thing that they make it out of the play-in either. Yeah. I mean – they, we talked, they lost to Atlanta, as we just mentioned. Remember, two weeks ago, they lost at home to Charlotte as well. So, and those are two teams that are very, very efficient offensively that on a given night could take advantage of Brooklyn's defense. So, it, I, it worries me. Like, they're on thin ice just making it out of the play. And we're, we're assuming that that's going to happen when they just took recent losses to the two teams that they would have to face potentially. Yeah, it, I'm kind of penciling them in just because the schedule's pretty easy. Now, home first, the Cavs tomorrow. That's really that's a huge game. I mean, the winner of that's in the driver to not just move up to the eight, but to move up to the seven and host two games where you get two shots to win one game. So that's a good scenario. Uh, Hawks are at the heat. Who knows if Miami plays everybody? Mm -hmm. uh, if they do, that's a tough game, obviously. Then at the Rockets. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you think is the most likely ordering of these playing teams? I guess that's the, the next question I should ask you. My guess would be Nets, Hawks. And then some version of, of Cavs, Hornets, and the 9 10 game. Boy, that'd be rough for the Cavs after being in the main drop 95, 98% of the year. Now they're in, you know, the 9 10 game. But uh, how do you think these four teams play out in what order? Yeah, I think the order that you're talking about is very fair. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Doug Kazarian, who was on my podcast right at the All Star break. And he told me, he's like, yeah, I'm going to bet the Cavs 12 to 1 to miss the playoffs. 
And sure enough, they're floating around now. You mentioned it. Like, you could go from comfortably inside the top six. You are locked into the play-in now. And you could be staring at, like, ninth or tenth when everything is said and done. And by no fault of their own, too, right? It's just injuries yeah. that, that have just torn that team apart. But, but I think you're right. Like, given the way the schedules break down and what moved forward and, you know, kind of gauging how teams will handle things. You mentioned Miami, the fact that they look somewhat locked into the one seed. They have that gap right now between them and two, and they're going to be comfortable there and probably not going to care about their opponents going forward. I'm going to say that we're probably pretty close to the order that we're looking at right now. Uh, now, I will say this, when it comes to Brooklyn, um, I got to double check on Atlanta, but I do know with Charlotte that they do not hold, they, uh, they lose that tiebreaker with Charlotte. So that would be something that if the Hornets can make a little bit of a run here, and they finish with the same record as Brooklyn, they would be ahead of them in the standings. But I think right now, the way it is, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Charlotte, I would expect that to be the case with maybe Brooklyn and Cleveland getting flip-flopped. Now the top of it with the Sixers, Celtics, Bucks. Yeah. How do you think these three now, – now the Celtics play the Bucks tonight, Bucks minus 7.5 at Bet River Sportsbook. How do you think these three teams and the Sixers play at Toronto, minus 1.5, and, and the whole Toronto thing is interesting – how do you think these three teams navigate these last four days? Are we seeing tanking? Are we seeing? Are we waiting until Sunday to see who's where and then kind of maneuvering things? It's very tricky because you know there's a lot of moving parts. You can't really you know pick your opponent quite yet. But the two, you know, if, if you're below the two, if you're the three or the four, you, you definitely avoid the Nets. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, how do you see this playing out here these next few days? See, I'm really fascinated by Philly, and it ties into the Toronto thing too because. So right now, uh, there's it's it's very likely that Philadelphia is going to take on Toronto in, in that four five or even in a three six. It makes tonight's game pretty fascinating, right? Because you know you you lose, you essentially lock in that four five matchup. You win, you can move up, but then you also knock Toronto down. Like there's almost no avoiding Toronto yeah. uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. So I think I I think Philly wants to win out I, only because I know a lot of people keep talking about avoiding you know the Nets all these. But I don't think Philadelphia wants to go play Toronto because I think that the loss of Thibault, unless he gets the second shot, because it seems like that's the case, right? He is vaccinated by the NBA standards. He has one of the two doses, but you need two to play in Toronto. So unless that changes over the next couple of days, because some of these defensive numbers will. So if you look at this, I was right about this this morning. So James Harden without Joel Embiid, negative 9.8 net rating, defensive rating of 125. If you take Thibault out, along with Embiid, that net rating goes to negative 18.1. That defensive rating goes to 129.5. They're awful defensively without those two on the floor. They, I think they lose that series to Toronto if they're having to play them. And so I think if you're Philadelphia, you're, you're very motivated to get out of a playoff situation with Toronto because that would put you behind the eight ball in a really big way in the first round. So I think Philly's motivated to win these games. Now, motivation is one thing. Can they actually do it is another. And with Milwaukee... You know, the, I, I just have – I have to sit back and believe what Milwaukee has set up to this point, which is we don't care. You know, there's the, uh, there the story about them. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, last year they talked about, like, potentially tanking and whether or not they would want to face Brooklyn, and they had a team meeting, and they were like, no, we'll play whoever we want. And they beat Brooklyn last year. So I think they're comfortable with whoever they face. And Boston – Boston is an interesting case just because I think Boston's like that young and upstart team that's just like, just give us whoever. So I think this whole thing of tanking and trying to avoid a flawed Nets team is more of a narrative pushed by us talking heads as opposed to anything else. I think these teams are just looking to rest guys when they can, play some of these games, win them, uh, and just kind of let the chips fall as they may. 
Yeah, that's why I said I, I kind of go back and forth. To, like, is it really, you know, do you really want to you know, go out of your way to avoid this Nets team? But then you, sometimes you see Durant and you say, you know what? I, if I could play the Bulls or the Nets, give me the Bulls, which it's not as simple as, you know, picking your opponent. And, yeah, you make a good point about the Bucks. I totally agree. Uh, I think it was a Saturday night game last year, the end of the year, the, the second, to night last, second to last night of the season where uh, if they lost, they could have locked themselves in a, a playoff series against, I forget who it was, but if they won, they played Miami at the time. Miami had just beaten them in the bubble. Miami just went to the finals. You figure, all right, they're going to avoid. You know, they're going to rest people and avoid Miami. They went right after them. They went right after Miami. They smoked them. They smoked them. I mean, they, they were you know fortunate in a lot of ways to win the next round and, and win a championship. But hey, it's uh, you know it kind of shows that you know that's their mentality. They're not really uh, afraid of anyone, like you mentioned. And, and to your point too, like you talk about picking your opponent, I do think. I mean, the Bucks would be licking their chops at a first round matchup with Chicago. They have oh. decimated Chicago this year. Like Chicago's had no shot against them. They've got no answer for Giannis defensively. The Bucks have just shut them down in every single one of these matchups. I think, like if if you were to put truth serum there, I think the Bucks would love to face Chicago in the first round, which is what it projects to be, by the way, because they're three six. Uh, I think Milwaukee would really love that 3-6 matchup because that would be a, a very easy way to get through the first round for them. Yeah, Chicago would be maybe a coin flip to win one game in that series. That's either four or five. I mean, that's a, that's you know basically a first-round buy for Milwaukee. I yeah, totally agree. I'm starting to like kind of plan out how I'm going to handle some of these series and like playing Toronto in that series against Philly is on my list. Uh, playing that you know the index prop with Milwaukee to either sweep or win in five. Uh, definitely on the list like those are the first two things at the top of my list to play these all right let's get to some I mean, these won't all be first round potential matchups but just some potential eastern conference playoff matchups it's a little game just a, a thought exercise you know if these teams met in the playoffs who would you pick uh sixers nets who would you pick in a playoff series i think i'd pick nets yeah I, okay. like wow I just that defense really bothers me for Philadelphia, especially that second, like the the, the bench unit. And I know I talk about how the Brooklyn Nets defense is bothering me as well. But when you talk about the ability to, it like like the, the I'll put it this way: the Nets defense is just going to be there, right? But at least the difference is the Nets defense is poor with two of the best players in the NBA offensively on the floor. So you can kind of offset that with the way that you've been playing offensively. That's the numbers that talked about with their offensive rating, uh, even though the net rating is pretty poor with Philadelphia. Like, not only can you go after Philadelphia with their starting lineup out there because you're talking about, you know, like they've been closing with Niang out there, so you can go and attack that. You can go after Tyrese Maxey if you want, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, which they did a couple of times and they blew him out a few weeks ago. But then you get to the minutes when Embiid's not out there, and Brooklyn's definitely going to be able to exploit that. I just, I've become so down on this Philadelphia team with the way that they have played, and not to mention the way that James Harden has played. Like, yeah. Harden has not been good. And, and, and I'm a big Harden fan, and I think he, he's always gotten a bad rap, but he's been inefficient from the floor. He has, you know, I think it was Nikias Duncan, who's a great NBA analyst, he, he did this write-up on this where if you look at when Joel Embiid and James Harden run pick and rolls and they force switches and James Harden gets the big on him, he is resulting to step back threes over these bigs as opposed to just taking them to the hole and blowing by them, which he used to do. Harden's just a, dis a weird and different player, and it doesn't look good. I, I think all of those things put together, uh, it would lead me to Brooklyn. Yeah, not for this year and not not in terms of a betting you know, angle, but, boy, I'd be terrified to give that guy $200, $250 million for the next five years. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure Maury's going to do it. I mean, they're trying to recreate uh, basically you know, Houston – Houston North there, and it looks like maybe D'Antoni gets a job if if Doc is out and you know it's an early exit. So 
I don't know. I, I guess they'll do it. And Maury, you know, knows what he's doing for the most part. But boy, I'd be terrified to give that guy that much money. Yep, yep, I agree. And like, it sucks too because you know, you just you look at his style of game, and you knew that there was going to be a stark drop off. Whenever it happened, it was going to be like a cliff, and we seem yeah. to be uh, one foot off of the cliff and heading down because it just doesn't really look good for him now in another team. All right, so if I throw more of these at you, I got I kind of have a sense where you're going. So if I include the Sixers in any of these, Celtics, Sixers, Celtics, Heat, any of these teams, you would pick the Sixers against. Sounds like no. I I think I think Heat in Philly would be uh, Miami and Philly would be interesting for the 76ers because while Bam Adebayo is a very good defensive piece for them, I think Joel Embiid would be able to really exploit a lot of things against the Miami Heat. And the Heat are really smart. They're a really smart team defensively. And they'll be able to match up very well and um, right throw different defensive players. The guys like Tyrese Maxey, like James Harden, like Joel Embiid himself. But the thing that has bothered me with Miami is their half-court offense has been pretty poor. And when you look at some of these lineups they throw out there, when it is a Tyler Hero, when it is a Duncan Robinson uh, sometimes Struce, although Struce has been pretty good defensively, um, those are pretty weak links. Those are pretty big weak links defensively. And if Joel Embiid and James Harden, if it's just going to be, hey, let's just ISO Hero or Robinson on Harden and let them go to work, or let's just ISO up, you know, Benson or excuse me, um, uh, Joel Embiid in some of these situations, let him go to work and have some other movement off the ball and put some of these poor defenders in really bad situations. I think there's a path there for Philadelphia to potentially win a series like that. It'd be super tight, but. I think I'd probably lean toward Philly in a series against Miami. But you're right. Like, Boston historically lately has done very well against the Philadelphia 76ers. And, like, I can go through the list. The Milwaukee Bucks, I think, you know, we saw the other night while they were off to a really poor start. You know, they came back. Giannis was unstoppable. They're a good transition team that bothers the Philadelphia 76ers. I just think there's – it's it's a tough road to hoe for Philly. So I would say, yes, like four out of five times I'm probably picking against the 76ers in a series. How about Celtics Heat? How about Celtics Nets? Sounds like you would probably lean Celtics in both of those also. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the Boston-Miami thing, and Miami was so much better uh, the, in this most recent matchup about a week ago when they played Boston, uh, but the Celtics have beat the crap out of Miami in two out of three games. And one of them was early in the year, but that's when the Heat were at like the height of their powers and everything was rolling for them and Boston wasn't playing very well. And the Celtics really took it to them. And then again, you know, Jimmy Butler, I think it was Jimmy Butler didn't play in the second matchup and they, and they blew them out. Like it was utter destruction. You know, and I think when it comes to Boston in that series, if it's a first round series, it becomes a little tougher because you don't have Robert Williams. And if, if it's a second round series, I'm much stronger on Boston. But in a first round without Robert Williams, without the ability to have that help defender, you know, protect the glass. And of course, Jimmy Butler loves to get within four feet or try to draw fouls. I think I'm a little more wary with my center rotation being Al Horford and Daniel Tice, right, as opposed to Robert Williams being out there. So Williams would make a pretty big difference there. But, yes, I, I would favor Boston in that series. Um, anybody you'd pick over the Bucks sounds like probably not, right? You just you think – I'm kind of with you. I think the Bucks are going to the finals. Anyone – who would give the Bucks the hardest series, you think? Boston? Yeah, I think Boston would definitely be a problem for them because I'm with – like. Milwaukee, for me, all year long, it's just been like, look, they're the best team. They, they won the conference last year. Like, until I see something, like, dramatic that would make me move off of it, I kind of want to sit back and just realize that this team, once the playoffs come around, they'll start to take this seriously, and they have. Right? They had some playoff situations against Philadelphia and Brooklyn, took those games very seriously, came out on top, and both of them in a really big week for Giannis. But I would say Boston, 
the like what's really intriguing in Boston's rotation is not deep, but when you have two really good wing players like Tatum and Brown who are going to be able uh, to go at this defense, which has been very inconsistent, by the way, even since Lopez has been back, you know, the Bucks, their flaw has been defensively, you know, they have their problems. And especially, as we know, with that drop coverage, uh, you're going to be able to give up some three-point shots, and Boston has shown an ability to exploit that, especially when they're given the uh, mid-range area of the floor. Tatum and Brown will take advantage of that, too. And Boston's ability to defend as well. But I, I think, really, I still think Milwaukee would win a series like that. They don't really have a true answer defensively, Boston does, for Giannis. I think at the end of the day, like for me, every time I'm looking through the numbers or any time I want to see if maybe there's going to be some chaos in terms of winning the Eastern Conference, everything just keeps coming up Milwaukee for me. Yeah, I'm with you. How about the other side of the bracket? I mean, it's Phoenix. You can basically still get them, you know, minus 115, basically a coin flip to win it all. Uh, I think we'll probably look back in a few months and say, why didn't we just take Phoenix to win the conference? You know, anyone that can upset Phoenix, or is this just is this theirs to win? I, so I've got I got Phoenix at seven to one like a month or two ago to win the NBA Ooh. Finals. So I like I, I like this team a lot, and I would say this, you know, for both of these conferences, it remains the same. But I think for the Western Conference, the most, you know, we keep talking about like the chaos that could ensue in these in these playoffs, and I think it's more about like what happens before we get to the NBA Finals, almost like the NCAA tournament, right? Like where most of the chaos happens in the games leading up. But by the time you get to the Final Four, more often than not, the chalk rises you know, to the top and you see more of the better teams. And I think that's ultimately what happens here. I think if if you're talking about a challenger to Phoenix, I mean, I look, I'm a Clippers guy. I was going to ask the, you about them. The looming specter of Kawhi Leonard and what that Clippers team could be when he comes back is really interesting because they match up really well with Phoenix when they're fully put together. You know, I was ready for them to, I, I was absolutely ready that uh, last year. I had a, after they went down 3-2 to the Mavericks, I bet them at 11-1 when the NBA Finals. I was all in on that Clippers team. They were going to be a nightmare for all the teams in front of them in that bracket. And sure enough, Kawhi goes down. But Paul George has been a problem for Phoenix. When you have these two big-bodied wings that can score from all three areas of the floor, like Kawhi and Paul George can, I think it bothers the Phoenix Suns. And when you just surround them with shooters as well, like, that's going to be really, really a big problem for Phoenix. But then again, you're talking about a dude coming off an ACL surgery and getting thrust right into playoff action. So, But if you're talking about the biggest challenger outside of that, I mean, I like Dallas, but I just don't know how they – I, I don't know how they match up with Phoenix. I bet them at 14-1 to 1 to win the Western Conference because I think when you look at it, that three-guard lineup – they put up some pretty intriguing numbers since they got Spencer Dinwiddie, him, Brunson, and Luka Doncic together have been a pretty good problem for a lot of teams offensively. You saw it work really well against Milwaukee last weekend and that uh, win that they got on the road, which were six and a half point underdogs. That was kind of weird. Um, and the path is there for Dallas to make it too, because if they somehow usurp Golden State, they're only half game back with uh, two or for two to play for Dallas and three to play for Golden State, and they hold the tiebreakers there. Then you're talking about a second-round match with Memphis, which I think they would win, and then it would berth into the Western Conference Finals against what I assume is going to be Phoenix. So I think at the top of the list, it's probably Dallas, just because with Golden State, it might be a matchup problem for them. But like Curry, how healthy is he? When is he coming back? What's that continuity look like? You know that him, Draymond, and Clay have only played 11 minutes together this year? Like that's, wow. that's, that's crazy. That's, that's a really small sample size. So I think ultimately everything comes up Phoenix for me in the West, but I think Dallas would be a really intriguing contender. Yeah, I was thinking Dallas too, just because you know what, you have the dominant player and you know yep. sort of like the hot pitcher in baseball or the hot goalie in hockey. You just you know that guy gets, you know, he goes nuclear for four or five games. That could be uh, enough to at least get you to Game Seven where anything can happen. Um, awards. Let's just kind of run the run the uh, run the board here. MVP is Jokic. Yes, I think I think it's Jokic. Okay. 
But I think the get. Um, I would say this. I, I think Embiid's actually finishing third. I, I think Giannis. Wow. I, I think Giannis has a pretty good shot to surpass him here, given that week that he had against him and Brooklyn, and, and just the way that he has played. And, and some of these voters remember what they saw last, and what they've seen last is Giannis being absolutely dominant here in the last two weeks of the season, and the Philadelphia 76ers sliding, not playing consistent basketball. I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis has surpassed him, but I still think it's Jokic who wins it. If you had a vote, would you vote for Jokic? Oh yeah, yes. In fact. You know the the straw poll. I was actually I was actually uh, pissed off when I saw the straw poll. The three clowns who voted Jokic third, I, or excuse yeah. me, fifth, fifth, not even third, fifth. Uh, wow. And Tim Bontemps on uh, the Windhorse podcast said that those those three voters were. Oh, it's the standings. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely it ridiculous to to use a record as a reason as to a statistically dominant season is uh, not worthy of being within the top three. It's it's asinine. So yes, I, I would vote for Jokic. He would be my first. Especially when uh, you know most of this year, he, they you know the Sixers and the Nuggets are separated by a game, two yes. games. I mean, it's just it's it's really it's insane. Uh, defensive Player of the Year, maybe not a lot of people care. Maybe people care a lot. Our guy Triple J, who you know you've been on the bandwagon. I think there's some T-shirts floating out there. Saw saw yesterday Hollinger. Now does Hollinger have a vote? He said he would vote for Triple J. Or is that a is that the, does he get an official vote or is that just his opinion? Where, where are you at with defensive player of the year? Does Triple J have a chance to steal this thing? So Hollinger uh, does not have a vote. He put he put it in the article. Doesn't have a vote this year. Uh, I thought it was just big for Reed Hollinger is an influence uh, influential voice, and if he's a guy, and look, he's got ties to the Grizzlies, so a lot of people you know can read into that what you want. Uh, but it's not like but it's not like Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't have the statistical profile. Like I can rattle off all the defensive numbers for Jaron Jackson, and he's got support out there. I think Bill Simmons has said in the past a couple of weeks that his top two candidates for Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, Zach Lowe just held a podcast about all defense. Uh, in which um, for both him and his guest on there, uh, who who wrote Blood in the Garden? You had him on. I can't remember. Chris Herring. Yeah, him and Chris Herring both uh, had him first team all defense, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, he is he has a legitimate shot at winning this thing. So I would say yes. Like, And the thing with Defensive Player of the Year is like for Bam at a bio, he's missed 25 games. Rudy Gobert, the Jazz have not been playing that well. To me, the dark horse in reality is Giannis to win that thing. You know, a lot of times voters will give guys – uh, some of these like consent, like these prizes, like here you go, man. You couldn't win the big one, but we'll give you one, and uh, you get that big defensive highlight near the end of the year of him blocking Embiid for a win. So I think ultimately, who wins it? There's a pretty good chance it's Smart, but I, I would look out for Giannis to potentially swipe that thing. Yeah, I don't know if if Simmons has a vote. I don't know if that Triple J gets it over his boy Marcus right, Smart. That exactly. might be a tough one. But I think but... really will it to me. It's like, and there's only like five voices that we've heard on this thing right now yeah. that that are influential. But the fact that every single one of them has brought him up, the fact that every single one of them, save for one, has him as a contender for the award, I, I think that's good, and it gives us a chance. Because there's also, I mean, it would work in our favor this time, but there's also the lazy voters that'll just see him, like, leading the league of blocks and steal, and then, like, combine blocks and steals and be like, that's my guy, and probably vote for him, so. That's a hell of a philosophy. Anyone that's just voting for this, hey, just look at the leader in blocks, look at the leader in steals, and yep. vote accordingly. That's the way to do it. Um, <laughs> this anything year it tonight is. This before, year. <laughs> yeah. Anything tonight before we get you out of here? You, you know, I took uh, I took one with Toronto. It's up to one and a half now. Uh, I just kind of going back to everything we talked about with the poor defensive numbers for the 76ers, especially since Thibault's not playing tonight. And, you know, the thing, too, is I'm amazed. So we get the news that Thibault's not going to play, but the market continues to push this with Philadelphia – Philly is 5-12 and 12 against the spread in their last 17 because the betting market just continues to overvalue them. Now they're on the road against Toronto without their best defender, uh, on-ball defender, we'll put it that way. 
And in those bench minutes, they're going to get pretty ugly here. Toronto's been playing great, 12-3 and straight up, 11-4 and against the spread of the last 15. It coincides with them getting a lot healthier. OG Ananobi plays, it's a bonus here, but I think Toronto's just kind of a matchup problem for him. So I took a, I took one, it's up to one and a half with the Raptors. Surprised how long the Bucks Celtics line are, are Boston resting people. I know it's second night of a back to back, both on the road. Were you surprised that line was a little high? I think seven and a half here. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching that climb a little bit, and I was surprised too because if you look at the, I'm going to double check the injury report because these change every hour, but the last look, like everybody was listed as probable for the uh, Boston Celtics. So that might be the market kind of falling in love with recent uh, run here from Milwaukee. Uh, but I would agree with you, like now that we're approaching six and a half, because home court this year has been worth just under two points. So keep that in mind as you're looking at some of these numbers. Like it's it hasn't been uh, as effective to play at home. We haven't seen it, but we also see the market kind of pay this tax on these teams on second legs of active acts. So that's probably part of it. But I would agree with you. We haven't seen the official injury report yet. So if nobody play or if nobody's on it, uh, I'll find myself on the Celtics for sure. JVT, appreciate man. Thanks for coming on. Check out all his work at VEASAN, host of The Edge. What is it, weekdays, what, 4 o'clock Eastern? Yes, 4 o'clock Eastern, and then the Hardwood Handicappers on Sunday now at 6 p.m. Eastern. And VEASAN.com slash JVT. Yep, that's it, yeah. What else What else can we plug? That's everything, right? Yeah, it's pretty much everything. Yeah, the podcast uh, that comes out on, uh, we're going to start doing that on uh, Wednesdays to Fridays, and then, of course, Mondays will be the Sunday episode recorded. So, uh, And then the plan is during the playoffs, um, might do some like quick like 15 20 minute hits after some of these playoffs uh, you know these playoff days and we'll get a little bit more in terms of that content as we move along all right well it is must listen uh year round but especially during the playoffs so if you're betting these games you got to be listening to JVT and get all of his thoughts and insights JVT appreciate you coming on man thanks thanks for having me bud all right thank you guys for listening thank you to Jonathan Von Tobel for joining us uh enjoy the weekend enjoy all the baseball the masters we'll be back monday to talk all things uh, NBA playoffs, Masters, MLB. I mean, we'll have plenty to do. NFL draft is around the corner. Uh, it, it's a great time of the year. Hopefully the weather will start cooperating as it's like 30 degrees and rainy here in the Northeast. Doesn't feel like baseball weather. Doesn't feel like opening day. But uh, better days are ahead. We've got some good sports to, to watch all weekend. So thank you guys for listening. Remember, go to BetRivers.com, download the BetRivers app, and uh, follow this podcast, the New York City cast. Uh, you can... Find it wherever you get podcasts. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We got it all. So remember to rate, review, subscribe. Again, thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bed River Sportsbook.